You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 752 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you live on a Sunday evening. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED ON to get $10 off on your first box of Built Bars. Today's show features an interview with Ross Homan, a very smart draft person that I have interacted with several times. I've been stepping in other places, and a fun discussion is had there. Before we get to Ross, there was a bit of news that dropped on Friday that I wanted to briefly touch on, so we'll do that here first of all. Uh, the NBA basically announced that the draft lottery and the combine are both postponed from their scheduled dates in May. The lottery was scheduled from May 19th and the combine shortly thereafter. Um, by the way, something that's a, a, fall, a fallout of this is that uh, the NCAA is probably going to have to at least consider reevaluating because the uh, the deadline for basically re- recalling yourself or pulling yourself out of the draft um, if you're a college player is tied to the actual date of the combine. So that's actually interesting to monitor in the coming days, but that's sort of a sidebar. Regardless, though, the combine could be scheduled uh could be scheduled again. Also could be canceled altogether because the combine is not necessarily um, 100% necessary. I think teams would obviously like to have the combine, but considering the the uh, world in which we live right now, it wouldn't stun me if the combine just never happened. But for now, they're both postponed. Obviously, they're going to have to do the lottery at some point, but as long as the league is still ch- trying to restart the season, they seemingly want to hold off on that, at least in part because if they play more regular season games, and that's still on the table according to all of the reports that are out there, that will obviously re- affect the pre-lottery order. Um, at the moment, the Hawks are fourth in the lottery odds, and honestly, on the court only for the Hawks, like not considering finances, um, it would be better for the Hawks to not play anymore the season for a number of reasons, including the fact that they are sort of locked into that spot after losing their last game of the year, plus the injury stuff, etc. Um, but there's obviously a financial element in play, especially with regard to any threshold that would trigger TV money from regional networks. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but there's been a lot of talk about 70 games. It's sort of this barrier the teams want to get past, so we'll cover that as we get to it as well. But uh, we'll obviously see how the, how the timeline continues, but in addition to the lottery, there's plenty of discussion about the postponement of the draft itself, potentially. Nothing has happened so far on this, and unless they end up canceling the season in the next few weeks... I would still bet on them to push the draft back in some form. It'd be pretty surprising to me if it happened in its current slot in late June because of everything that's going to be in play here. You have to have the lottery before it, obviously. And uh, with the uncertainty here, the only way that, at least that I can see, them actually having the draft in their scheduled slot is if they canceled the season in the next few weeks, which I think is probably not the most likely thing in the world to happen. So keep an eye on that in the future. But for now, the draft is still scheduled where it was scheduled in late June, but the lottery and the combine are postponed and not canceled, but postponed. That's very important to point out. Lastly, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that discussions continue about delaying the start of the 2020-21 season, so next season, until December And uh, this is a crucial point here. He notes that the discussions have, quote, progressed on the idea independent of whether the 2019-20 season resumes and is completed. So, all that to say, 
they could do this even if they elect to cancel the season. So if they if that ha- if that happens and that's that's on the table, it's possible that, that obviously the season won't continue at some point in time. But even if they end up doing that, the reporting now from multiple outlets and uh, first from first, first that I've seen from Woj is that they might they might push back anyway. You'll probably remember this if you were a diehard fan, but Hawks CEO Steve Kuhn has been credited quite a bit with pushing for this idea of a December start. And even in a non-COVID world, that would, uh, you know, that was on the table before this, at least according to some of the reports that were out there. And Kunin has admitted to be pushing this behind the scenes. You know, even if things are all back to normal, quote unquote, that would presumably push the league calendar to December through August. Um, that kind of alignment, and uh, I think ideally the league. There is some arguments for this. You know, famously, people have been arguing against the October start for a while now and try to get away from football altogether. If you go December through eight through August, that avoids football. Probably gets you a little bit more attention at, at the start of the season with the Christmas launch potentially, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they obviously want to avoid football as much as possible. Um, but obviously, that would also affect the draft. That would affect free agency, summer league. If you just push back two months, suddenly the draft is at the end of August. The free agency period is probably in September. Summer league, if it even exists, is probably not in the summer anymore. <laughs> maybe maybe it's fall league in September, something like that. So uh, obviously things to consider other than just games themselves. But we'll keep an eye on that in the future. I think obviously if the league restarts and plays games through September or October, you have to push the season back to December or later for next season. But even if they don't do that, I think um, I would be on board. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge zealot on this, where I think it's just necessary necessarily. But I think that I would be okay with the league deciding to go back to this uh, different schedule that it is now. I think they would uh, lose very little on that, um, considering the fact that October, and November, you know, diehards love it, and I think people are paying attention. But certainly, the league gets more attention when football is over, and that goes for college basketball as well. And that'd be a different conversation as well as what college would do under this scenario, whether they would still follow their their, their traditional two semester route, etc. But for now, it's just an idea. But as, as I, I, at least reportedly picking up steam in the future, so we'll keep on we'll keep an eye on that as we get going here. So you know, Cliff's notes version draft and combine pushback and at least discussions on the season um, next season I, I should say and and obviously beyond that pushing back to a December start potentially so before we get to Ross I want to uh, take a second to talk to you about the good folks at Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and there are many reasons to love Built Bar on top of the incredible taste Built Bar is fantastic for anyone that is trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and quite honestly, it's a protein bar that that tastes like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Unlike some others, the bars are soft and easy to chew. I can tell you that I've been loving the banana nut flavor, as well as the peanut butter brownie flavor. Uh, It's also quite enjoyable for me, and in fact... There are 16 amazing flavors to choose from. They all bring a spectacular flavor profile to the table. I would firmly recommend Built Bar, and in order to check that out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's a perfect day to try Built Bar. And without any further delay, here is my interview with Ross Homan. Ross, thanks for taking the time to do this. How are you on this fine Sunday evening? Uh, doing well. I appreciate you having me. Um, just been, you know, digging into a lot more high school recently. Keep going down the ladder of uh, age group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, honestly, you were the first person I would think of to do this show with. So I appreciate you uh, doing it. And I, I teased this already before I brought you in, but we're going to talk about mostly 2021 draft stuff today. I know it's a year ahead of time, but listen, we're in the middle of the pandemic and <laughs> I, I'm focused on 2020. And, and what I know so far 
21 is going to be more fun than 20. Um, but before we get to the actual draft, I wanted to ask you um, about the about the new G League pathway stuff because you know now, now that we're sort of past the original you know take cycle of the first couple days, um, I want I want to know how you feel about this. The people that may not know, I guess um, at least three guys: Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, and Dacian, I think it's Dacian Knicks um, are bypassing college to go to the G League pathway. What what do you make of that whole program and how it's going to affect college and how it's going to prepare these guys? Um, I think it's good. I think anything player friendly is good. So it's nice to see guys who are working hard at like a younger age be able to take advantage of their talent and you know the work they put in. Um, so I like that part. Obviously, I'm curious to see how they handle the scheduling because I know they said they're not playing like a typical G League schedule, and I'm still kind of unsure against for like the level of competition they'll be going against. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's obviously a good route and I, I also think like the ncaa is going to be fine there's like if fans watch the ncaa because you know they're deep rooted in teams that they like and i think that's like that's always going to be a thing so i think the whole like ncaa is in trouble is probably a little overblown i fully agree with you on that part that was my first reaction was just like there, there was the of course the typical people that want to say this is the end of college basketball and I just don't see that happening for one of the reasons that you said. And also just they're not going to be that many guys that do this, I don't think. I mean, maybe you disagree with me, but right now there's three of them. And even then, Isaiah Todd, at least as someone who's a Michigan fan, I don't think Isaiah Todd's like this massive NBA prospect. So Jalen Green's obviously a big ticket name. I'll ask you about him in a second. But, I mean, ultimately, you know, two or three years from now, if there's no other changes, do you think there's going to be dozens of guys taking this path? Or is it going to be more like the, the cream of the crop kind of thing? I think it'll still probably be the cream of the crop. And also, you know, if we, within two years, three years maybe, if we do eliminate the one and done, there's going to be guys that are just going straight to the um, NBA. So, I still think it'll be a smaller number, um, and, and it'll be curious too because I tweeted something the other day about it. This is kind of a risky group for the G League themselves to start this out with because I think, as you said, I'm not really a fan of Todd. He kind of is not obviously not exactly like him, but um, I was a little down on like Khalil Whitney last year who ended up falling out of the Kentucky rotation. I think that's kind of this year. Todd is kind of that guy who I think is pretty overrated by RCI and. Um, and then him, and then obviously Knicks is kind of a still a project point guard who can't really shoot. Um, so I do think it's kind of a risky group for them to start out with because, I mean, if, if players see these guys not doing too well, I'll be curious to see um, how it affects other people's you know, direction in the next few years. It does feel, and obviously you're the expert on these guys much more than I am, but it does feel like Green um, is one of those guys that's re- regarded as like a universal top five, six guy in that class, whereas the other two really not. I mean, I, n- I know Todd was a big college recruit because, you know, anytime you can get a five-star guy, it's good for a college program, but that's not the same thing as being a uh, a lottery pick kind of guy in the NBA. So that's it's a good point because, you know, it's not like this is the top three guys in this high school class. This is definitely not. He's not, it's definitely not that. Yeah, it's – uh I definitely do think Todd and Nick's probably to a certain extent also will struggle taking this leap and even green, like green, green is a great prospect, but he still has, uh, he still has some flaws that he'll need to iron out and he could even struggle depending on what the um, competition level is like these guys are scheduling. I was going to ask you about Green because he is the one that got the most attention. He was the he's sort of the top dollar guy, the highest rated guy. And as we transition a little bit to asking about some 
of the prospects for this 2021 draft class. Like, what do you make of him? Because a lot of a lot was made of, uh, I guess, ESPN's recruiting service had him number one in this class, and that's of course college based, not NBA based. But he is the guy who's been, you know, billed at least uh, in some of these circles as like number one player in the class, quote unquote. What do you what do you make of him as a prospect? And like, uh, I, I guess where would you have him sort of among that pecking order right now? So I think Green is a really good prospect. Um, I'll start out with that because I don't want people to think that I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like super yeah. down on him. But um, I think he's a little similar in terms of like strengths and flaws to like Anthony Edwards this year, where you do question some of the uh, just overall basketball feel for the feel for the game, and like if he's your high usage lead guard, how much like of that will translate to winning? But um, he he did take at least in my viewing took a pretty big step forward from. Last summer, AAU, it's high school this year in terms of just reading the floor better. He was seeing things quicker. Um, so I, I do still like Green a lot. Uh, I would have him, you know, in like the two through five range in this class, but I think that he's definitely not number one for me. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I – I've only seen him once or twice, so I am far from an expert. That's kind of what I've uh, gleaned from reading people like yourself and sort of listening to people, and that's kind of what I, you know – take away from green right now is he's he's a top five guy and you know worthy of worthy of the hype that he's been getting for the most part um i'll be interested to see how that all goes because the schedule stuff as you mentioned like it's just kind of going to be interesting just to monitor the environment that these guys are going to be in because they're just not going to be playing games i'm sure they'll get more hype than a typical g league setting would be but even then i'm not sure what the market is for like a g a g league pathway you know exhibition scrimmage i mean it's, i'm sure they're going to televise some of this stuff but is there going to be you know rocking crowds for this stuff it's it's very interesting to see how these guys are going to respond to just the elements i know they're all used to playing in like EY, eybl and aau which is not necessarily that environment but usually you we see some of these guys play um in front of that raucous crowd and it's just not gonna really happen this time yeah i'm curious is that on that as well because like we saw with lamello and rj hampton last year with like nbl is you know a very well-structured league and these guys are playing in front of like crazy fan bases and it, it, it'll be interesting to see g league just like off court wise it just seems like it's going to be a decent bit less structured than some of the route these other guys have gone in the past um so i, I definitely like i don't really know what to make of it yet <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody does to be fair but uh, <laughs> it's going to be uh, i think everyone's going to be paying attention closely to what it all looks like because we, we got the first wave of information and there hasn't been a whole lot more since then so just like seeing schedules and seeing what these guys are going to be asked to do, and I know it's going to be Southern California, but what's their life going to look like is going to be pretty interesting. Um, before, before we move on to like other players in this class, I wanted to take a step back and kind of ask you, there's a lot of discussion, including by me, about how shaky this 2020 draft class is. Um, seems like there's a lot more excitement about, about 2021 as, as a consensus. I'm not asking you to compare them one for one, but I think pretty obviously 21 is like higher regarded. Would you agree with that? And what do you make of the class overall? Yeah, I definitely think 21 is better. Um, I will say that it's not as deep as I originally thought. Uh, just like, you know, putting more film with some of these uh, lower ranked guys. But um, I do think like the cream of the crop of 21 is really strong. And then you are finding guys in like, late lotto range or top 25 range that it's just a lot of really smart basketball players with like good physical tools um so i do think that like from a it has it has the ceiling raises and then it also has the guys that you can just kind of count on to be contributors um whereas 2020 i don't think it really has the ceiling raisers like a, a lot of the guys like i mean i, I like Lamelo a lot obviously Ant edwards 
But these guys are a little more boomer bust than some of the uh, 21 top guys. That makes sense, and that's kind of what I think as well. I think Lamelo is the guy I like the ceiling on the most in 2020. But even then, like, there's not not bust potential necessarily, but there's uh, certainly not the highest floor if it doesn't really work out with some of the things that I can see of him. Um, I'm going to ask you this in a in a different way now that I was planning to. But you mentioned Jalen Green um, being in that two through five range. Does that mean you have a clear number one in 2021? Yeah, uh, I think. Cade Cunningham is uh, a pretty obvious number one. (laughs) I had a feeling, but uh, I mean, you say that, and I'm going to ask you about Cade, but I found it interesting because he's the guy I've seen the most of, clearly not as much as I will see of him, but I think, you know, the people that I trust, like yourself, I've talked about Cade for long enough where I was like, all right, I got to watch this guy play. First of all, I love him. And second of all, I'm, I'm, I'm still surprised at like how... Not that he, he's he's still ranked number one in a couple of different places, but there's there are other guys who have gotten that number one sheen and by certain sites. I know Green got one. I think Evan Mobley and on at least one or two other ones. So it's not like this universal consensus, but I feel like among people that I trust, Kate is number one by a lot. Like, what do you make of him? And um, I guess it's pretty clear for you he's number one. Yeah, um, I'm I'm super high on Kate. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, we'll see if that. Works out well, but I, I do think he's in like a very, very high tier of even when you look at past prospects. Um, I mean, he's just really good. He's like six, seven, seven foot wingspan. He's already around like 220. Got a lot of really good physical tools, and he's not like a f- super elite athlete, but I do think his athleticism gets underrated a bit. Um, and I think that's maybe part of the reason why some places don't have him one is because he's not like a natural jump off the screen athlete. Um, but I mean, there's like same type of guys that, uh, you know, talked about Luca not being a good enough athlete. And (laughs) I I do think Kate has like subtle athleticism traits where he's really good at acceleration for his size. He uses like his shoulders and forearms really well to brush people off. And I do think that he's a better vertical athlete than give him credit for. And then also just like, if we're talking about his strengths, he's one of the best passing prospects I've seen in a really long time. Like him, Trey, um, I'm trying to think who else. Like those two stick out the most out of the last like handful of years, but he's he's just an incredible passer. That's the first thing that I noticed, and you know, part of that was that people like yourself told, basically told me that on via Twitter. But you know, it's so easy to see his feel and his passing on even in a high school setting. It's it's kind of staggering, especially when combined with his size and the ability to make every make every pass because he does. He's not six foot one. Like you know, I, I'm I'm definitely on the train of Trey being an uber elite passer, but there is at least a, a pass or two that he can't make at his size. Whereas Kate is you know as you said like six 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 seven. And with long arms, like there's no pass he can't make, and I can I can already kind of tell that. So if you buy his athleticism, I mean, what do you make of his jump shot? Because that's that's the only, that's I guess that's the only other question that, that I've heard is like how much of a shooter is he going to be? Not that he's going to be a non-shooter, but like how good of a shooter is going to be? Is he going to be? Yeah, I uh, again, I'm I'm pretty high on his shot. I think maybe a little more optimistic than some. He uh, he made a pretty staggering mechanical tweak from last summer AAU. It was kind of like a two motion shot where he paused for a second at the top and um, in high school this year where, I mean, that the Montverde team, they hardly got challenged. So it was a little hard to see like him because he just never really had to put effort in because they were just by far the best team in the country. But uh, his, he, he did have one game against IMG where he was got a little jumper happy and it's, it's much more fluid one, uh, like a one motion shot. And I think his touch too, he just has extremely high level touch. Um, so I'm, 
pretty high on his shot. And I also have a thing where I think that, like, you know how Trey is obviously an incredible live dribble passer, and uh, obviously he's a great pull-up shooter too. I think there's some similarities in terms of just, like, dribble to next motion transfer. And I think that because of Cade's live dribble passing, I'm pretty high on the pull-up jumping too. Yeah, and that's, you know, that all comes together like, you know, good luck, basically. Yeah. You, mentioned, you, you mentioned, I know you're high on him, but, you know, what kind of, is he a generational guy? That, that, gets, that gets thrown around sometimes, but I know it's I know it's still a year out and he's going to be at Oklahoma, he's gonna be at Oklahoma State this year coming up and we'll learn even more about him. But, you know, right now where he is about, you know, about to be in college, like, is he, I don't, I'm not going to make you throw out name comparisons, but is he on that, you know, top, top, top level? Yeah, I think he is. Um, obviously, if you look at somebody like Luca, he's probably turned out better than even like the people who are highest on him thought. And yep. um, I, but I do think like pre NBA, I think he's a similar level prospect as Luca. Obviously, he might not reach that ceiling, but um, I mean, just watching him last summer, he absolutely destroyed everybody in UIBL. It was incredible to watch. I mean, he was at like per 36 it was around like 29 like eight and eight with just insane efficiency um and also the thing with him he's an incredibly good defender like if you want to look at like the the elite elite prospects the last few years between like zion and luca and then in my opinion now Cade, Cade is by far the best defender of the three like easily so i do think just the two-way potential too that he can bring is pretty impressive as well yeah, I think people, uh, if it goes according to plan next year, and, you know, I guess I'll ask this now, what do you make of him going to Oklahoma State? Obviously, there's a reason why he went there. He has the family connection um, on the staff. But, you know, just there's been this sort of divide. There's a bunch of guys who go to Duke and Kentucky every year, and then I think more so recently you've got guys that are going, like, sort of by themselves. You had Anthony Edwards this year go to Georgia by himself, basically. And now Cade is going to be at Oklahoma State kind of by himself. You know, not necessarily, like, on a complete island, but he's the only elite guy they're going to have. Like, what do you make of that? Not not the choice, because I think we kind of know part why the choice happened. But what are you going to be looking for from him, knowing that he's not going to be in that like Duke Kentucky bubble? Yeah, I'm just excited to see him be more aggressive because I don't want to say it was one of his like flaws, but um, he hasn't really been on teams where he's had to just completely take over. You would see it a few times in EYBL last year, but he had a pretty good team around him, and he had another five-star on his team at Greg Brown. So they were talented enough to just kind of tread water with most teams. And then you saw some with FIBA U19 where he was like clearly the top dog on that team with a bunch of incredible other players. Um, but I'm just happy to like see him on a team where he has to like just be aggressive and in certain situations he'll have to take over. And I do want to see just a little more ISO scoring out of him. If he like is truly that top tier, uh, prospect yeah I think it's um you know there's pros and cons but that is one benefit you get of watching a guy who's not playing with a bunch of other five stars is that he just has to carry more of a load and you know that can be good and bad but it also can tell you a lot about especially when you project him because obviously a guy that you have clear number one you project him as a number one in the NBA eventually and uh, being in that role um, in college is probably helpful when compared to like going to Kentucky and you know the way that Kentucky kind of just damps stuff down for a lot of guys I'm glad I didn't go there <laughs> yeah no I agree I was I, no offense to Kentucky fans but I was kind yeah. of dreading when it was like down to the wire and they were kind of considered in the mix I did not want that 
Same. And that's not, again, not, not a shot at Kentucky who, who I, I always enjoy watching them because they're always so loaded too. But um, even the guys who end up, you know, like your, your towns level, your AD level, those guys aren't necessarily put in any situations where they're just like showcasing everything like you would want as a draft person. Um, so no, no, no shade at Kentucky, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you didn't go there just for draft purposes. Yes. Um, I, I, you mentioned uh, we'll move off Cade now because we can probably talk about Cade forever. Um, we'll move off Cade now. You know, him and Green are up there. Um, I guess the guy I'll ask you about next is Evan Mobley because I've seen him number one at least one at least one place. He's, he's a seven footer headed to USC. What do you make of him? I think he, you know, obviously people hear seven footer and they immediately go to you know the traditional seven foot center, but he's um, at least what I've seen, not like this pure center. I think he probably is going to play center. But w- what do you make of uh, him? Uh, yeah, so I like Mobley a lot. I think that sometimes because I don't like have him in the number one conversation, people think I'm down on him. Um, but I do think he's a really good prospect. I was high on his brother coming out last year. He's just really, really smart. That's kind of the first thing that sticks out with him is his fluidity, his size, and then just how smart he is. He's a really good passer, pretty instinctual defender. I do think I'm a little worried about his frame being able to consistently play center because he's extremely skinny right now and if he's not able to do that he's going to need to develop a jumper which he has not really shown too much promise yet um so i'm a little worried he's a bit of a tweener which is not too much of a thing anymore but just like physicality wise he's going to need to be able to handle handle centers of the nba if he can't shoot but um yeah i do think that he's a really good prospect still yeah again he's another guy you know not that usc is Incapable of getting top top, top guys, and they obviously had uh, a Kongwu this year, but he's another guy who didn't, you know, go to Kentucky or Duke, um, and we'll see how that how that all plays out. I'm, I, I get a little bit worried about bigs in general right now. Uh, you mentioned the tweener label, and I think you know that's not always a bad thing, and it kind of doesn't exist now. But um, how much of that is a red flag? Like how much of that is like part of why you wouldn't have him up there with Cade, or is it just is it is it is it is it, is it just Cade just being that special, or is there a little bit of a worry that Mobley might be in that kind of weird area? Um, I think it's both for me. Uh, Mo- I mean, Mobley's really skinny. He's like probably in like the 200, 210 range right now, seven foot. And um, he does back down to physicality a little bit. Uh, obviously, Hunter Dickinson, who I'm sure you know because he's going to Michigan next year. Yep. Um, they played each other in high school this year, and Dickinson absolutely like destroyed him, like scored in the post whenever he wanted to. And that was a little bit disheartening to see. But I don't know. It's It seemed like. Mobley might have had a little bit of like senioritis this year after not being able to play with his brother, maybe, or just thinking ahead to college or something. But um, I, I do think between him and Kate, it's a little bit of both me being high on Kate. And I do have some worries about some parts of Mobley's game. I think I saw him listed at like seven foot two Oh five or something like that. If you're just to back up the, uh, the skinny stuff, is that, does that sound right to you? That, that's obviously incredibly skinny. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. He's uh I mean, yeah, he's he's very skinny. That's that's, that's honestly my main skinny. worry. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember what I'm trying to remember what, what KD was listed at as a college player. Um, but even then, I think he was listed at like you know six nine, six ten, and like around two hundred. And this is someone who's two or three inches taller than that, listed at two hundred five, and that kind of tells you how skinny he looks. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's definitely a worry. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you this earlier, but um, are you factoring in uh, Jonathan? Is it is it Kuminga? Is that how you say his last Kuminga, name? Kuminga, yeah. So are you factoring I, uh, him in for twenty one or not? I lean towards yes. I mean, if it's one of those things where if he's brought up, I won't dismiss it because I do think there's at least a decent chance where he um, he does enter. And if he does, he 
has a pretty strong argument for number two for me. We're, we're getting into the summer. And I know, like, for instance, Marvin Bagley did this really late and reclassified. Um, it's happened a couple of times. But he, as of this moment, he's not reclassified. So you know, if, he, if he stayed on this track, he would be in the following year's draft. And we have no idea what he'll do for college or G League or whatever. But um, I, I often see him in top fives in 21. I have never seen him other than just a, a highlight or two. So I know nothing. But um, what kind of player is he looking like? I know, you know, six seven kind of uh, wing forward type. Yeah, so he's, I mean, one of the main appeals with him is he's, like, constructed in a lab in terms of, like, just perfect uh, wing physicality. He's, like, 6'7", I think around a 6'11 wingspan, and he's probably already, like, 220 pounds. He's just extremely, extremely good physically and athletically. Um, But also, he's shown a lot of, like, upside with just scoring mentality. He uh, He can score off the bounce really well. The jumper is a little inconsistent. I'm somewhat worried about his touch there just in terms of a ceiling but he's able to get into jump shots really well and he's confident doing it so that's obviously a plus but um i do think he has a pretty strong argument for number two and he's also one of like there's maybe a short list of two to three people who i've actually seen like give kate a lot of trouble when guarding him and he's Mm -hmm. definitely on that list so um just just the two-way upside with him is really really enticing so we we've talked about four guys now. Um, who else would you have? Because I, I have a list of a few more that I wanted to ask you about. But is there, who else would you have, if anyone, up in that top? Not necessarily tier one with K, but who's in that next tier with you to join those guys? Because I've seen this is kind of where I think people split a little bit as to who else they have, like in that top, you know, four or five range. Yeah, so I think BJ Boston going to Kentucky is um, also has a strong argument for number two. He's gonna play like a two guard at the next level he's six six maybe six tennis wingspan like he's pretty pretty big for a two guard except he's really skinny but i do think that that's mitigated a little bit because he's extremely willing like physical wise he's obviously plays really tough um takes contact really well both offensively and defensively and then he's just really really good at creating his own shot he's got a pretty rare handle for his uh height at this age um just an awesome space creator and then his jump shot consistently took a pretty big step forward from um two summers ago to this year it's just become more consistent he's cleaned up the mechanics a little bit to have it a quicker release um so he's definitely in that tier two for me um the other guys i'm trying to think Jaden springer i feel like i'm alone on this one uh there's some people i love that Take a stand. (laughs) So these next two guys, I feel like there's some people with me on Springer who are pretty high on him, but he is, I think the, unless, unless Kaminga reclassifies, um, Springer is extremely young. He's got a September 2002 birthday, which is like almost a full year younger than a lot of these guys. He's really, really strong. I don't know if he's a lead guard. He, that's kind of his ceiling, but he could also play off guard. He is another guy with Kaminga who I've seen give K trouble. He's just by far the best point of attack defender in the class. And he's he's like six five ish in shoes with six eight wingspan. He's probably like already 200, 205. Like he's really, really thick lower body, really strong using his base. So he's another guy defensively that is just really good. That's another thing about this class. It's just a really good defensive class, which is part of the reason I'm so high on just like the floor of a lot of these guys. But um I do have Springer in that next group. And then the other guy that is kind of going on a uh, string is 
Keon Johnson, who is going to Tennessee. He is I don't know. Is going to Tennessee too? Is it, are those both yeah, guys yeah, Tennessee they guys? both. Yeah, yeah. You're you're you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be loving the Tennessee backcourt. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and they have I, I don't know if you saw him play this year, but they have is, is Santiago. I think it's Vescovi. He's uh he was a freshman this year. who's yeah. like just an insane point guard. He's like I don't know. I just love watching him play. So they're about to be my team next year. Apparently, no. I, I was going to ask you, like, for uh, guys you were higher on, and that's uh, that definitely answers that question. I have not heard much about. I mean, I, I know who these guys are, like, from recruiting stuff, but I, I will not claim to know anything. So I will defer to you on these guys for sure. But that makes sense. I always like when you know. I think it's good, especially um, early on, to kind of you know not follow the consensus and try to figure out guys that you like. And I try to do the same thing on NBA draft stuff, and eventually things end up colliding because you just have, especially this class, because you just spend so much time on it that, you know, you find consensus somewhere, but I think it's good to just kind of go on what you see. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, go ahead. I was just going to say with, I think Keon, especially not, he, he missed all but like four games of his senior year and he played Adidas rather than EYBL. So I think he's kind of flying under the radar right now. So he, he's kind of my main, like, Am I right or wrong on this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always, uh, I always have four or two of those guys. Um, I guess the guys I wanted to ask you about that I've seen, you know, m- you know, mocked or recruiting rankings super high that we haven't talked about yet, just briefly. Um, Zaire Williams uh, got some attention because uh, obviously he's a big time recruit, but chose to go to Stanford, which is not a normal path either for guys of this uh, of this caliber necessarily. Recently, what what do you make of him? Like a you know six eight wing kind of guy. Um, Zaire is probably, you could argue, has the highest shooting ceiling in this class, which is pretty special for somebody his height. Um, I do worry about the frame. We were talking about, about Mobley earlier, and Zaire might be like 6'8", 170. Like, he's one of the skinniest people I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and, and it shows during his play, too. He gets pushed off spots a decent bit. But, um, but just that shot making of that size is always going to, you know, leave you with a decently high ceiling. So... I, I do like Zaire a good bit, but I'm a little lower than some on him just because I'm worried about the frame and how it affects his game. I think he got some more attention from certain outlets because he was at, he was at Sierra Canyon, which uh, was sort of the traveling circus this year in yeah. some ways because of LeBron and all that stuff. But uh, obviously, he's a real prospect. And yeah, I, I'm looking it up now. The one listing that I've just found lists him at six at six eight one seventy five. So yeah, that's, he's uh, skinny. <laughs> yeah, and he and the the issue too is his shoulders are set pretty narrow so it's it's kind of worrisome how much room there really is for growth in that scenario too yeah i mean shooting upside is uh helpful but if you're going to be that skinny you better better make some shots or (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um oh before i before i forget to ask you this i'll do it now um going back to to your top guys this is sort of an unfair question but it's one that i've uh, heard people ask and wanted to ask you how many guys in the 21 class if they just were able to go to the draft right now, would you take number one? Um, K for sure, I'm assuming. Yeah, K for sure. Um, I think I'll throw BJ in that for sure group as well. And then, so Jalen Johnson, who's going to Duke, he uh, he's, he's on like nasty. the <laughs> yeah he he's on the borderline for me. Um, there's a couple question marks I have about him, but I do think his. He is arguably the second highest ceiling in this class just because his physical tools and he is like a genius passer. Like he's one of the best six nine passers I've seen like on the earth right now. Like currently <laughs> he he's just an incredible passer. 
Um, so he would probably be in there. Uh, going Keon would really be on a limb, but <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would strongly consider him. And then I think once it gets to Jalen Green, it's pretty like 50-50 for me because I think he's pretty similar to Ant. And I do. I think they're basically like the same age too, because Edwards is really young. And same with Lamelo. Both of those guys are really young for their draft. So I don't take as many as some. I've seen some people say like eight to ten people. Yeah, I was I gonna say I, I've heard people at least throw yeah. out that, those numbers, and I, that always makes me. I know because you know again, I'm. This is it's still early for me on this class for sure. It it makes me recoil a little bit. Even though I realize that that 2020 is not a good class, but just the notion that like you have eight or ten guys in a class that are better than every single player <laughs> in the other class, it like just boggles my. It, it might. It, it, by the way, it might be right. I just it, it boggles yeah. my mind a little bit when I hear it. So I don't know. Yeah, and I I would include Kaminga as a for sure also if he were to reclassify. But I, I do think it's only around like five ish guys because then it kind of gets to philosophy. Like some of these guys are very clearly safer. And still good prospects, but um, I think chasing like Edwards and Lamelo's upside is worth it over some of these other guys in this 2021 class. That makes sense. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't, I have no opinion on this. I, I knew K was going to be it for sure, but everybody, everybody else, you know, we'll see. And it kind of is an indictment on the 2020 class. But uh, I do. Uh, this is a Hawks show, so I spend less time on Lamelo. But uh, I have him, I have him one, and it's just because you know the Hawks probably can't take Lamelo for obvious reasons. But right. it's just uh, he would be the guy that I would be measuring against. But I also get it on a lot of levels because even though I like him, he's not the kind of prospect that. Um, is like a definite number one in most classes. So there you right, go. yeah. Um, is there anybody that we haven't talked about that is in like your top ten or so? Like I, I've heard names like you know Greg Brown got a lot of attention. Uh, I think last week or two weeks ago because he turned down the G League to go to Texas. He's been mentioned up there. I think you know Terrence Clark has been talked about. Anybody that we're missing uh, that we haven't talked about that you really like? Yeah, so I think um, there's three guys that pop out immediately one of them is uh Usman Garuba who's international he plays oh, for yeah. Real Madrid he um honestly he would be so so good on Atlanta <laughs> um but he's one of the main guys that pops out to me he's just an incredibly instinctual defender um pretty good passer for his size too he the one question is if he's big enough to play the five consistently and if he's not he kind of needs to develop the jump shot a little more but He's probably the best defender in the class, in my opinion. Just, like, incredible, incredible awareness defensively. And he's extremely quick, like, can switch out on the guards pretty well. And, I mean, we saw it this year playing on Real Madrid as a – I think he turned 18 in March, I want to say, um, and was still, like, pretty pretty dang good for the senior club. So I think he's a guy that sticks out right away. Other one is kind of a similar role to him, Scotty Barnes, who is going to Florida State. He's a four who's – kind of in like the Draymond mold where he's a really good defender, really good passer, but he does have some physical limitations and scoring limitations that are a little bit worrisome. But he um, he's definitely in the lotto range for me. I don't know if he's for sure top 10. And then um, Caleb Love going to UNC, he's kind of been rising a lot lately, and I think part of it is because he looks a lot like Lillard when he plays, just mm. in terms of like aesthetics. Extremely good space creation, loves like step back jumpers, can shoot it from like 35 feet with pretty much ease. Um, so he, he's another guy I really like. He's going to North Carolina. 
And then Jalen Suggs, who was kind of rumored also about the G League, but I think he's probably going to stick with Gonzaga, it sounds like. But he is another guy. He played on that FIBA U19 team with, like, Cade and Jalen Green and Mobley. He's – I don't – there's some people who have him top five who really, really like him. I am more so, like, back in lotto with him just because I don't think he has legitimate lead guard upside. But um, I do think he could be, like, a really high-level role player. He's 6'4", not very good length, but he's a pretty good athlete. He, uh, I think he was recruited by, like, very, very good schools. Like, I know Ohio State offered him uh, for the quarterback position, so he was a really, really good football player. So I think that helps with him a bit, too. Um, and then Moses Moody, who is – Potentially this year's Okoro in terms of just, like, he got some love from, like, one-and-done draft stuff, but he's pretty low ranking-wise. I think in the RSCI consensus, he's, like, mid-40s. But um, he's, he's going to Arkansas, right? Yeah, he's going to Arkansas. He's just an extremely good two-way wing, six, six-ish with, like, a seven-one wingspan. He has freakish length. Um, one of the better shooters in the class, and I just think he's really good just – basketball feel so he's somebody that i'm like way higher on than uh just the rankings but i I do think there's a decent amount of people that i know that also have him lottery so i don't like stick out too much (laughs) from the uh, crowd yeah i mean something i noticed um even before this and now as i look at it again just these couple of these lists that i'm looking at you know this is a, a class that's got a lot of you know six seven six eight guys in it it's not like this uh really you know i'm looking at 2020 now and it's you know you have a lot of guys who don't have ideal size um and a lot of you know combo guard types that are around the top 10 range and if you look at a lot of like the consensus top 10s other than jalen green like everyone is six seven or or taller so it's it's kind of interesting just you know snapshot that i'm looking at just to say like there's not gonna be a whole lot of size questions <laughs> next year it appears guys like are at least at least not with height obviously we talked about a couple of super skinny guys but it just feels like this is sort of a uh wing to forward heavy draft does that sound right yeah I, I definitely agree with that and a lot of these guys um like you said have really good physical profiles and they're just really smart basketball players too so i think that's like the main appeal of this draft is just i'm mean, to put it like simple it's just a lot of really good basketball players yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to that to uh cleanse the palate from 2020 to be sure oh, god i had uh, to, i had to get off that I, I had to get off that asap i just went straight back to high school <laughs> no i i don't blame you whatsoever uh, and fit, fittingly the last question i'm going to ask you is uh is there anybody that you are really high on that's returning to college i know you're not necessarily dialed on the college thing anymore but you cover these guys as high school players there's not a like super obvious you know no one's coming back that was a projected lottery pick this year that, that usually doesn't happen it's not happening this time around you hear a couple guys names like david johnson or jeremiah robinson earl like you, you see some names out there but anybody that you like that's coming back to college for another year yeah um i think the first guy that is a hill that i'm going to die on apparently um is anton watson from gonzaga he got hurt really early last year and didn't really play basically all the year um but I, I thought he was a lotto guy going into last year. Obviously, that didn't turn out well, but I'm still pretty high on him. And the other guy who was hurt for last year is Brian Antoine from Villanova. He's yep. a really explosive uh, shooting guard, has a pretty high ceiling. So if he, you know, learned some stuff last year while sitting out, he has a pretty high ceiling. And then I think another guy who's kind of flying under the radar with at least, like, Consensus-wise, is I really like Franz Wagner a lot, who I'm sure you've seen. You're, sp- you're speaking my language now, Ross. I gotta be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I just think like 
he's the ideal size for wing. He's a really good shooter. He's smart. And another thing with him too is he's still really young. He's about the same age as most of these incoming guys. So just from an age perspective and upside perspective with that, I do think it's a little bit underrated. I think he's just really, really good. Yeah, I think he is younger. I actually looked at this for something else. I think he's younger than a couple of these guys for sure. Like Evan Mobley, I think he's younger than. Um, he's he's kind of the same age as most of the, other than Kaminga, basically all the guys we talked about. Um, Friends is the same age. And I'm, I'm hoping he blows up in the way that I think he could this year. Um, of course, I'm fully biased about that one. But uh, <laughs> I will acknowledge that right now. Um, I'm trying to even remember, like, I'm not even sure who like is the consensus top returning guy. Like I know a lot of people like David Johnson. That's a name that I've seen a lot. Like Keontae Johnson from Florida has been out around. I still like will go to the mat for Scotty Lewis. I don't know why, but I I'll always like Scotty Lewis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there? I'm trying to think of even if there's anybody I'm remembering that might be more famous. Oh, I was gonna ask you. This is this is random, but uh. <laughs> Of the two Duke guys coming back, somebody asked me this the other day and I had no response. Of the two Duke guys, uh, Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore, which one do you which one of those guys do you like more? Uh I or think Hurt is <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Hurt is better now just because I do think his size and skill set gets a little underrated and he needs to probably play up to his size a little bit more. But um I think he's better now, but I do think Moore has some sneaky upside in him. He's another guy who I think he's even he's even younger than what uh Wagner, I think he's maybe like two or three weeks younger, but super young. And I do think he has a little more upside than given credit for. He kind of went from playing a like power forwardish position in um, high school with obviously being able to handle and whatnot to like strictly perimeter last year. So I think it was a little bit of a shock to his system. So I will lean more, but uh, but very close for me. I think uh, Brian Antoine, you, you mentioned before for Villanova, is the guy that. I was uh, almost hoping you would say because Villanova has a lot of success. It's kind of a small sample size, but with guys who who redshirt or don't play their first year, they usually do very well with. I don't know why that is, but there's like three or four different guys that they've had success with. Like Amari Spellman uh, was one of those for uh, Hawks fans. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't go didn't go that well in Atlanta, but still became a you know NBA player after basically having to redshirt his freshman year. So Brian Antoine and also Brian Antoine was a real prospect. It wasn't like he was coming out of nowhere. He was a big time prospect. So there you go. Yeah, he uh, he played high school with Scotty Lewis, who you just mentioned, and I. Yep. They were kind of like a who's better type thing, and I always lean towards Antoine. But uh, I think you're probably we'll... gonna be right about that. I will acknowledge that I uh, <laughs> I'm going out with the ship with Scotty, but uh, I understand, and I think you're probably right about that one. But I mean, he, if Scotty came out this year, he would have been drafted and still. So I think I so think too. That whole Florida team just seemed to. I yeah, think. Honestly, Keontae Johnson, he's another guy who I'm pretty high on as a returner as well. It's a pretty good returning class, and I think a lot of these guys kind of bowed out of the process just because COVID going on and, like, this whole thing, it was kind of unsure if there's going to be a combine or not. So it seemed like some pretty decent players just kind of said, you know, we'll give it one more year of school. Yeah, and I I think there's, you know, there's always, you know, pretty much without fail – in the lottery, you'll get at least a guy or two or three that are not freshmen. Like, and you don't, and you don't always know who they're going to be. Like, you know, this year, for instance, there's, um, you know, Obi Toppin is the prominent name that's not a freshman, but Tyrese Halliburton is not a freshman. Uh, you know, there's there's names that are usually, you know, Sadiq Bey is a guy people like um, that are that was not a freshman. So there's usually one or two at least that sneak in. I don't know who those guys are going to be, but someone will do it. Yeah, I think. Um... Tracy Jackson Davis is another guy who I'm sure you've seen at least a handful of times. Yeah, and 
he is another guy. Him and Romeo Weems are probably the two other returners that I'm highest on. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a decent group of returners, in my opinion. It's better than, well, I guess, maybe not, because Halliburton and Toppin kind of blew up. But um, <laughs> but, that, but that's it, how it, it works, though. I mean, that you, yeah, you wouldn't right. necessarily have written in Toppin as a top 10 guy a year ago. I mean, he, he, yeah. had, he, got, he got a little bit of helium at the, end of, at the end of his previous year, but I don't think anybody was going to the mat saying Obi was going to be a top 10 pick. This time last year, so you know. Yeah, definitely. People, agree. people, people like Halliburton for obvious reasons, but he's also an interesting case up and down. <laughs> yes, we'll very much. Later. Um, <laughs> Ross, I appreciate you giving me all this all this time, man. Uh, please plug yourself. I know you are around on the Twitter machine, but if you got anything you want to plug, feel free to do it. Um. Yeah. So I'm mainly doing um, non-public stuff right now, but I will be probably diving into more uh, 2022 NBA drafts. So like the soon-to-be high school seniors i'll be watching a lot of film on and probably be tweeting stuff out uh my twitter is ross underscore home and one and maybe writing a few things for the stepping here soon but kind of just been under the radar currently but I'm, I'm glad you asked me to come on this no i appreciate you doing it and uh the 2022 draft is the amani bates draft right am i right about that as, as i do my math uh Potentially, I don't know. If oh, he's the year behind that, isn't he? I forgot. Yeah, well, yeah, it, that's been like the rumored class for eliminating one and dones, but um, yeah. So yeah, if if that goes through, then that is his class. But uh, we will see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea anymore. I, I used to think and was pretty confident about that, but now with the with the G League pathway and like some of the signals that are coming from the NBA, it's like maybe they don't. Maybe they just won't ever get rid of it. I don't know. Maybe it'll yeah. be a while. I will say I've already um I've already written on somebody from that class. Uh, I, do you know since you're a lot more in tune with the NBA than I am? Um, Adrian Griffin, senior, the, the assistant for the Raptors. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He is the youngest son who I think is by far the best player in that class currently. Oh, I, um, I think I saw your. It's, it's he's literally Adrian Griffin Jr. Isn't he? Yeah, Adrian Griffin Jr. He's committed to Duke, but uh, I think he's like a very, very, very high level prospect. There you go. Read that. Is that publicly available wherever it is? Yeah, it's on the Stepien. So check out the Stepien. It's always a great place to get content, whether Ross is right in there or not. But uh, check out Ross's stuff. Thank you for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. And like I said before, I'm not just saying it on the podcast. Uh, you are the guy that I would be looking to for high school analysis. So thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate that. Me, thank you for having me. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see everybody next time.